All right, here we are live with episode number 44 of Memory Tracks. 2018, we hit, uh, I think it'll be the fourth episode of the year. Is For listeners keeping up, we're trying to get to 100 by the end of the year, so we got a lot of work to do. But uh, this one's a fun one. We've got uh, my friend Miguel, or I'm just, I can call you Migs, right? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. So we got Migs here as, uh, as the guest for 44, uh, and I'm really excited about it. One of the fun things about doing these uh, episodes is uh, hopefully, you know, people enjoy them, and then guests that come on or friends that um, know the guests that come on will listen to it and be like, hey, maybe I've got my 3.8 that I want to come talk about. Um, and Eddie is somebody who, he's a good friend of mine and I've known him for many years and we connect a lot on music. And so he was really excited when he came on and then afterwards he was like, oh man, I got so many friends I want to have on this. Um, (laughs) and so far we've had, uh, well, of course had his wife, uh, Jess and she was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also Caitlin who came on, who was a friend that he had met, um, randomly at some conference and she was great too. Uh, so you're guest number three as far as the Eddie referral comes. This is, Eddie's a great guy. I, I, you know, he, he and I have connected on on some music stuff before. Like he's a really big uh, Arthur Lee and Love fan, yeah. as I am. Interesting. And, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, and huh. uh, we both kind of shared our our respect for Love and uh, the whole like 1960s kind yeah. of or like first generation punk. Right. Uh, era right and uh you know i i have i'm kind of a sort of a a musical historian as a hobbyist kind of situation so like i go into these rabbit holes if you will in terms of uh i do my own kind of research i find like little things Uh online and in printed matter and and whatnot and you know i was just like i'm just fascinated with history and music and so and all the little tangents yeah absolutely it's it is crazy like i mean that's one of my favorite that's really how i got into i mean i think how everybody gets into music probably is yes like especially now with the internet it's like archaeology yeah you start diving in it's so easy now with the internet and wikipedia and everything but yeah you start going off on tangents like oh i like this and he's influenced by that and she loves that Mm -hmm. and then this person jumped on that person's track yeah, and then now I have like thirty new people I got to check out. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, and that's the best part about it. That's the stuff that that sticks for sure. But you're so you're a long well not not forever, but a long time Austinite at this point, right? I've lived yeah, absolutely. Um, I've lived in Austin officially since '95, so I guess it's been like twenty three years since yeah. I've officially lived in that's Austin. Wild. And before then. Um, I'm originally from Port Lavaca, Texas, so I. It was always that way in terms from like since 1981, yep. um, coming up from the Gulf Coast up to Austin. Um, my mom lived here, and uh, you know it was always kind of like a sanctuary yeah. away from the Gulf life. Yes, and yeah. um, the humidity. You know, it was it was, <laughs> it was just sort of like a place where you can kind of be a little bit more free and uh you know you can have a little bit more acceptance and be a, a, a bit more who you are or le- at least learn as to what you what you, wa- what you want to become yeah. what you want to become as right. opposed to like the kind of constituents that right. is down there you know it can be is, kind of restrictive so port lavaca how close is that to port arthur 
Port Arthur is closer to the Louisiana border. Um, Port Lavaca is uh, traditionally what they call in the coastal bend. You know, if you want to, if yeah, so it's between Corpus Christi and Houston. So it's smack dab in the middle of that. That's right. And so when you're referring to South Texas, a lot of people saying like, are you from the valley? But that's kind of closer towards Mexico and towards the southern tip. Right. The coastal bend is from Corpus Christi on up the coast, up towards Houston, Galveston, that kind of area. So you have roughly about like maybe like 100 to 200 miles of uh, coastal um, area. It's just all like port towns. and Port towns, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a lot of small towns, a lot of the, the... I recommend highly people that... You know, they're for that have settled into Texas that are here in Austin to visit South Texas and to, you know, soak up the the culture down there because yeah. there's a lot of really wonderful people. Yeah, a lot of really wonderful food. Um, it's it's a very special place. Yeah, down there. I was born in Galveston. Yeah, uh, so we moved to Houston suburbs when I turned six. But um, my parents both met in Galveston. And wow. You know, we would go visit a so whole the, lot. So the move, the the culture that Galveston, for example, has yeah. in terms of the history, in terms of the climate, in terms of the atmosphere, that resonates throughout the Gulf Coast. Yeah. You have places like <clears throat> Bay City, El Campo, yep. Edna, yep. you know. Port Aransas, you right, know, like right. Portland, right. all those, all those places down that Rockport, like yeah. all those places down there. It's just, it's a certain, it's really nitty gritty. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's just one of those places where like there's, there's a definitely a vibe yeah. down there Yeah, and there's a lot of culture. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm born and raised down there and, yeah. uh, from when I was a kid, coming up to Austin, Austin was always like a kind of a sanctuary yeah. city. It's all, it always has been in terms of cultural identity, in terms of people can come up here. I think that's been the, the tradition of Austin. Mm-hmm. Like people come to Austin to try to like lay their burden down, like to be, to, you know, become what they truly are here. Yeah. And hence, you know, the whole I can university, see that. Like, the whole I'm, university culture and, right. you know, like it doesn't also doesn't ask you to leave behind your culture it asks you to bring and contribute to what yeah. it is here versus like Galveston or Port Arthur or Port Arthur, wherever where it's like mm-hmm. well there is that culture that's there but that's it's insulated. all that you have yeah <laughs> and but you're either I, with it or you're not I had a conversation about Austin not too long ago where we were talking about Texas history and um, Austin has, historically <laughs> has always been one of those places where it's a very sacred place. Mm. It uh, traditionally, in terms of back in the Indian days, where it was always a place where people kind of congregated. Mm. The history of Texas, Tejas, yeah. was always a place where it was the neutral ground, the friendly neutral zone where yeah. all the Indians, you know, there was so much um, abundance here. Yeah. There was plenty of fish in the water, there was plenty of game, there was no need to prey upon other people. Right. So everybody was allowed to be a little bit more freer, no matter where you came from and whatnot. Like all the Indian tribes, all the you know different folks would come through. This was the the friendly place. That's yeah. where Teja, That's what Tejas right. originally means. Right. Right. And uh, 
later on, as you know, history has shown that you know people continue to this day to come through here and learn and grow and um, you know bring what they have to this place, yeah. and at the same time, you know, gain you know nourishment and whatever whatever that may be in terms yeah. of uh, you know knowledge, uh, personal freedom. You know, it's always been a traditional place like that. So it's, it's just a good been, spot to be, man. It's yeah. Good. We're, we're lucky to be here. And uh, we're at the top of the pyramid. We're also lucky to have us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. You've got a really cool pick of, uh, of artists and hopefully some um, some good education for all of us because I, I didn't know any of these guys. Um, and the first one's really exciting because we're talking all this um, Tejano culture, and I think yeah, we're gonna get right into it with this first guy, because he's from Texas too, right? Absolutely. As if you if you're ever in South Texas or anywhere for that matter, between um, to see designing see really um, Esteban C. Jordan is a legend in Texas music. He's up there with Selena and Freddie yeah. Fender and the Texas Tornadoes and anybody. If you're in certain circles and you name drop Esteban Steve Jordan, people go like, <laughs> people oh, go far. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things like it's where I, when I was born in the mid 1970s, when he was, you know, at his apex in terms yeah. of his popularity and people like Chich Marin, you know, the guy, um, uh, Luis Valdez who directed La Bamba, um, all these guys, you know, the part of the whole, you know, Chicano movement of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, if you name dropped him, that was like a cultural landmark. Yeah. You know, in terms of the music, because there was nobody like that guy. Yeah. He was like a folk hero. So it's, if you're in certain spots, if you can ever pick up any record by Esteban Steve Jordan, you know, pick that up because it's not only a part of Texas music history, it's it's a part of who we are. It's yeah. it's the other side. I so. like it. All right. Well, without further ado, then this is Quiero Besarte. Oh, I messed that up. Besarte. Basically, yeah. The <laughs> get, uh, it, it, so, so the name of the song is called Quiero Besarte a la Noche, which means I want to kiss you all night. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah. 
All right, that was Quiero Besarte a la Noche by Steve Jordan. Mm-hmm. Esteban, Steve Jordan. Does he yeah. go by Steve or does he go by Esteban? I think the Steve is sort of <clears throat> kind of like a, you know, how how some some guys, you know, it's kind of like an alias, yeah. you know, where like, you know, he's Esteban, but like to, you know, white folks, he's like, hey, call me Steve. Steve. <laughs> You know, like I, like I, I, I knew I knew Alejandro Escovedo a little bit back uh-huh. in the '90s, and like everybody would call him Al. You know, <laughs> you know, even though like right. nobody would call him Alejandro. You know, like right. unless they didn't know him. You know, right. but like that's always in in my culture. That's kind of thing. Like when I was a kid, people it's always called easier. me Mike. Yeah, you know, and just because it's just easier, nobody didn't want to even it. bother. It's not, you know, so that it, even though it's like. <laughs> They kind of there's this sort of thing where it's like, hey, didn't the guy know that that's like his name? That's right. Twice is like, no, motherfucker, he knows his yeah, name. He like he's, knows. That's, he's that's 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 a courtesy to you. <laughs> to you, you know, and like that's he, what. In case you didn't know what Esteban means, that means Steve. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he is a bad looking dude because he has this awesome. He's a eye bad patch motherfucker, dude. Kind of like a mullet going on. Oh, like. absolutely, dude. <laughs> he is uh, so. Just to kind of give a little background on uh, Esteban Steve Jordan, he came from migrant workers. You know, he is a native Texan. Um, I think he is the youngest of a bunch of kids, like maybe seven or eight children. And he started playing accordion when he was seven years old, and he came up in the the fields. I think his folks were maybe yeah. sharecroppers, and so he again he's he's like a folk hero where. He came from the fields, yeah, and so he took the the cultural landscape in terms of the music of, you know, a, I would almost say like an appropriation of the the white culture at the time, whereas like the Germans brought the accordion, hmm. just like they brought uh, the breweries mm-hmm. to um, Texas at the times, and yet they kept the the Mexicans sort of at length. Yeah. From from them, you know, there was there was no culture really for them to adapt to other than this sort of parlor music that was um, popular at the time throughout Europe. And there's been a lot of people that have um, documented a Tex-Mex culture. And um, one of the things that they say, excuse me, one of the things that they say is that you have this. Uh, this kind of rub of a culture clash hmm. of uh, the people that are of the land that work the land for these other people, and yet there isn't a uh, there's not an acceptance there. So the thing that reaches that gap right. is the music and right. the dancing and the the life that happens in between there, and he was able to bridge that gap and create a kind of music that not only took the what is traditionally called conjunto mm-hmm. music which is in translation means the conjunction um it's almost like our version of jazz yeah. just like you know if you look at the appalachians and the the poor white folks up there you know right. they took they made instruments out of nothing and created bluegrass music in here in South Texas. They would do the same thing. They took what the Germans had to offer right. and like 
appropriated right. to things that spoke to them, you know, because they saw, you know, the Germans dancing and, you know, they didn't have any kind of culture of their own almost. So they appropriated in their huh. own way a thing like, well, we're going to do it our way. And uh, so not only is it polka, conjunto music, but Steve Jordan was able to cross the bridge of jazz, psychedelia, yeah. rock and roll. Um, well, it's one of the things that really stood out to me when yeah. I was researching was the like the opening line is um, he's considered the Jimi Hendrix of the yeah. accordion, and he can play and like that's kind of a put down, and, and and that's in a way that's kind of putting him down yeah. and Jimi Hendrix down in a way because both of those guys are mavericks in their own way. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like he used, I mean, um, this was a fairly traditional pick, but it sounds like he goes on to use a lot of like effects pedals and synthesizers. He actually built a lot of those effects pedals himself. That's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like he, he would learn so much. He was just such a sponge for so much. Like he would, he would build his own effects pedals, you know, and like add like flangers, delay, all that when nobody, nobody was doing was that, doing that and then he's like the Sun Ra of the accordion. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, cool. Like, uh, <laughs> that's a good comparison. And and again, there's some video clips of him with Tito Puente, Cecilia Cruz, like these. And he um, played with Santana. Absolutely, yeah. Like all those guys just loved him. Yeah. You know, they they just loved him. In the movie Born in East L.A., um, where Cheech is in Tijuana and mm-hmm. so like, hey, if we take this music and we put it with this one, and they do a version of Purple Haze, and like Cheech is doing Purple Haze, and then these guys are just like full on kind of punk rock, yeah, you know, almost like a punk version of Purple Haze, doing like this kind of conjunto <laughs> version of it, right? And you got like this pink haired Esteban Steve Jordan with the patch and everything, just going like going off, and you know, yeah, that's their version <laughs> of it down there, and that and. A lot of people don't know this, but you know, people like David Byrne from Talking Heads yeah. was really, really down yeah. with uh, this guy as as he produced Selena's crossover record. That's well. right. Yeah. So there's a in the early '90s, eight late '80s, there was uh, there was definitely a plateau for this kind of music. You know, that was happening. It was it was alive and kicking, and people were digging it. Uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was down in Port Lavaca hanging out with my with my folks, and my grandma was like, "Hey, little Joan La Familia is playing in Victoria right now." I was like, "It's like, ma, let's go!" And she's <laughs> like, "No, nah, it's like ten o'clock. I'm already kind of tired." I was like, "Ma, how many fucking gigs does <laughs> little Joe have?" But that was kind of the environment that we grew up in, especially yeah. in Port Lavaca. There was a lot of musicians in our neighborhood uh-huh. growing up in the early to mid '80s. Um, there were a lot of um, plants, um, refineries that these guys would, you know, if you had a pickup truck, you can get to anywhere right. down there. And, you know, they could have a house, they could have a life, they could have families, and they could work these really hardcore jobs. And then on the weekends and at night, they could sneak off and be in a band yeah. with, you know, wh- with whomever. And they were kind of like, these bands that were in the 40s, hmm. these kind of big bands, you know, yeah. you had dudes that were like 12 deep, you know, right. you had horns, you had up. like these yeah. guys, like they were almost like jazz orchestras, you know, orchestras, you know, they, yeah. they were, 
you know, and the people would shell out their money and they would just dance and dance all night long. You know, like my my grandparents, you know, they would get dressed up, you know, to the nines and they would go out and they would just dance the night away. And there was the music was good. Yeah. It was, and it wasn't just Mexicanos that were down, down there, too. You know, white people would come down there, too, just to kind of check out the scene. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you know, they wanted... They wanted it on it too, you know. They there was nothing really going on down there. You know, like yeah. people work really, really hard, and then at night, you know, they got their little beer at night, and then what else? What else is there to do later on in the evening? You know, like you got you want to try to get some action. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I was like, hey, I'm gonna take my old lady out there, and you know, like well, maybe get some something going later on. You know. <laughs> Wait. So, so then, if that happened, was the idea that you would ditch the old lady? No, Sorry. no, no, no. You took your old lady down there. No, your your old lady wasn't gonna let you out of your sight. Okay. No, no. It was it was no, you it was definitely a night out on the town. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. Things. That's awesome. So you you grew up with Esteban's music. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was born in seventy six and uh he had been doing his thing since the early seventies. Yeah. I think he was kind of like a like a sixties. I wouldn't say casualty, yeah. but I would say that Esteban was informed by all this music from the 60s and into the 70s. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of guys in uh, South Texas, like these really heavy hitters, like like mm-hmm. I said uh, aforementioned, like Little Joe and La Familia. There were places, there were guys like La Mafia. There were, you know, all these guys, there were all these bands, and they could fill a, a dance hall with more than like four or five hundred people, and where there were no violence, there every once in a while there would be kind of a little bit of violence, but for the most part, everybody was there to have a good time. Yeah, and it was just like this very special kind of music going on, and you know, it was the gener- It was that was your grandparents' music or your parents' yeah. music, right. you know, because it was referencing a, a, a thing that was kind of going back, like right. way, way, way back, you know, maybe back to the 50s even, you know, in terms of jazz. It was our version of jazz. Yeah. So um, people talk about Count Basie or Duke Ellington. He was, he was that to us, yeah. you know, and the fact that he had come from the fields and he was just as celebrated and regarded as much as Selena or Freddie Fender or any of these guys like Doug Som, Texas Tornadoes, like any of these guys, they, they, that carried that much weight in the rock and roll world as anything else. Yeah. And, uh, that, that stuck, that stuck with it. So to this day, if you, if you name (laughs) drum, if you name drop, you know, Esteban, Steve Jordan, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's your in, that's your yeah. secret code word. I just got to find a jukebox somewhere. I can yeah. yeah. But be, uh, but if you ever find a record or a tape or anything, snatch, snatch that. that shit. Yeah. Cause I mean, highly sought after. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. He was very distrustful of the music industry hmm. because I mean, I imagine so. Yeah. Um, because he couldn't, there, there wasn't Texas. just like, just like Hendrix, you know, he was known for a certain thing. And they kept him in that box. But even though he was perfectly capable, uh, you listen to his voice, he has a very powerful right. voice. He's he almost like Frank Sinatra in a way. Yeah. You know? And he was perfectly capable of uh, delivering a ballad or a pop song or anything like that. Yeah. He was from 
and he came from migrant worker parents, so he wasn't ab- above traveling from California to Washington D.C. Like right. he would go anywhere. He could live and that life. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a true musician in terms yeah. of the nomad life, and um, there's a lot of stuff on uh, about him on YouTube. There's been several documentaries made about him. If there was any justice in the world, there would be a biopic about this guy and happen? his life. Yeah. It could happen if there's yeah. any filmmakers out there that love music and that are you know Chicano or Tejano or whatever you know like you know it's start now it's now is the time <laughs> now is the time to do that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, should we go to the next song? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this guy that we're about to listen to now had a, a deep, really, really deep impact on my life um, as I was growing up in the in the eighties. And he's just now starting to get his due. Uh, this guy named uh, Jeffrey Lee Pierce. He had a band in the in the early '80s called the Gun Club, and he was revered in his own time as being the second coming next to Bob Dylan. And lyrically, there was nobody that could touch him. He was awesome. he was like he was like the William Blake or the Joseph Conrad of Mexican-American culture. He was somebody that did the opposite if in to, to, to kind of, uh, make a, a short cut to him. You know, he was, he was a guy that could pass for white. He had a white name. He was a blonde haired white boy, but he was Mexican as fuck. And he, (laughs) he flipped, he was from the same, generation as black flag the circle jerks yeah well his roommate know. was uh keith yeah morris. keith morris was his roommate <laughs> yeah wild. absolutely and um keith morris ap- um <clears throat> made a song called jeffrey lee pierce in really? honor um, with his band off and um yeah. his the gun club has been one of those bands that has haunted me you know to for a better word for most of my life and yeah. his lyrics has not only reflected certain parts of you know things about my life directly but it's kids nowadays that are anywhere from people like the waves to you know king Con- like the generation now of rock stars yeah. are they refer to him as deeply as kurt cobain wow. in fact there would i will say this on this podcast that there would not be a kurt cobain without jeffrey lee pierce and he his music needs to be recognized as not only part of Chicano, uh, Tejano country because he's from. Te- um, I, I was told, although there's a lot of mysteries surrounding him, that mm-hmm. I was told that he is actually from El Paso. He was born in El Paso, awesome. but he is synonymous with uh, Los Angeles West Coast hardcore. Yeah, and um, you know his his music, and also I will say this. Like I'm going to tell you this little story. When I was, uh, I used to be a music journalist back in the day. I, I want to give a shout out to Luann, Luann Williams from Pop Culture Press. She works for South by Southwest now. But uh, back in the 90s, she gave me an opportunity to um, be a proper music journalist. And I, back in the early 2000s, there was a thing happening at South by Southwest where it featured uh, Grandmaster Flash, the Ravenettes, Blondie, you know, TV on the radio. I was sent on an assignment to interview Debbie Harry um, at this thing, and the very first 
question <laughs> I opened up was a, was a question about Jeffrey Lee Pierce because I'd kind of put it together yeah. that he had written the lyrics to Heart of Glass. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and she gave me this look like, how did you figure that out? And I was like, well, it didn't take me, it wasn't too hard. <laughs> and uh, basically she had me thrown out of the room oh, because I brought up Jeffrey Lee Pierce. And well, he so was the were, president of the Blondie fan club. He was the president yeah. of the Blondie fan club. So, and that's when he was a teenager, 16 yeah. years old. So for somebody being in love with a, a sex idol, yeah. a sex goddess like Debbie yeah. Harry, of course he would give everything he had to a woman such as that. And, and it's like, hey, if you're, you're, you're giving me the fire with this, these lyrics that you have here, of course I'm going to take advantage. And um, when I, I wouldn't say confront, I just brought it up. And then before I knew it, I had a bunch of security guards kind of like, <laughs> like oh, escort no. me out of there. And he's like, I'm going to do to you what I did to Jeffrey Lee. It's like, what's that? It's like, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was it. And I was like, oh, Debbie, you're so evil. And, uh, but like, no, no disrespect to Debbie Harry. I, I was a big blondie fan when I was a kid. But, um, but I think a lot of, there, Jeffrey Lee is a amongst Mexican Americans and people in the know. You know he is he is an icon, and uh, he's just now he's starting to get his due. Yeah. Even though it's been almost twenty years since uh, it's actually it's been awesome. over twenty years since his his passing. But as far as lyrics concerned, as far as, as, far <laughs> as uh, creating a new musical genre combining punk rock with country with blues with you know old school americana uh jeffrey lee pierce is a uh, a formidable yeah. uh poet of this of this country and of uh of his generation awesome. and uh, i have the utmost respect for him i i have to say you know much props to his family much props to uh kid congo powers um for keeping the torch alive and all the gun club fans out there, um, his uh, his lyrics are the gospel. And uh, and um, coming from, I just want to say that what I identify most with with his lyrics, it was kind of like um, describing the modern world from a primitive perspective like say for example if you were a mexican or an indian describing what the modern world meant to somebody of that and using that same kind of mythology hmm. myth terminology he uses that old school blues language to describe the the 1980s and again this was ronald reagan time this yeah. is when you know kids were kind of shunned and saying like you're your input does not have any effect on the on society yeah. as a, as we are as we have it. Um, he was, you know, he was a voice of his generation, and uh, he definitely spoke to me in terms of identifying me and the the things in my life. And you know, I'll uh, I'm, I'm forever grateful. So, yeah. Well, let's give it a listen. Yeah. You ready? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, this sure. Is, let's uh, go for it. Bad Indian by the Gun Club. You put me out of 
Bad Indian by the Gun Club. <laughs> Dude, that, yeah. So I listened to it once before you came, which was my mm-hmm. first time to ever hear anything from the Gun Club. They're super uh, underrated, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, ha- it has Head and shoulders, like the, man. Above. So I saw they're like real, they did a lot of stuff like the X, uh, LA punk band. Yeah, and, they were they were running mates, uh, all, they were all those people. Yeah. And like, I it has like kind of a cool stu- he has like a stu- So I have vibe. a friend of mine, his, uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to give a shout out to my friend Jonathan Terrell. Um, uh, he was in this band <laughs> called Not in the Face. They did a tour with X, um, I think a year or so ago. And uh, this past year, uh, Jonathan's a really good friend of mine. He said, like, hey, dude, do you want to come with me and be my guest on, you know, X is playing at the Mohawk? And I said, sure. And I'd never seen X before. Well, actually, I'd, I take that back. I did see X once before during uh, at Emo's, the old Emo's. Yeah. And uh, it, was a, it was an anniversary gig. It was really great. But I'd never met them before. And so they took me backstage. And I was really surprised. Like, when I met Xene, she was a little afraid of me. And I was like, oh, it kind of broke my heart a little oh. bit. And I was like, oh, Xene, you shouldn't be afraid of me. Like she, But John Doe and Xene, they, they both gave me their autograph. And yeah. it was really nice. And uh, I asked Xene, like... Hey, so I'm a big Jeffrey Lee Pierce fan. Um, if he had a, if he had lived, what do you think he would have become? And he's like, oh, he would have been like Walter Cronkite. He would have been like <laughs> a like a war correspondent or something like that. He said, out of all of the people that they knew, like nobody had the balls to go to different parts of the country like he did. Like he yeah. was like kind of like Indiana so Jones. When did he pass? He passed. So I really got into him like right before he passed away. It was like 96. Okay. He was only maybe 37 years old. And uh, I had a friend of mine. His name is uh, Jason. And he used to be in a hardcore band called Verbal Abuse. Yeah. And he was from the hardcore scene. And he was a gun club band. And I had heard that music way, way back in the day. Like, I'll tell you a little story. Um when I was a kid, when I was about maybe like 12 years old, I had uh, sent a letter to Thrasher Magazine um, asking what those guys listened to. Mm-hmm. I was from, I was in, living in Port Lavaca still. I took some photos of me and my like coastal Gulf Coast ghetto friends. Yeah. And uh, they, I sent them a little like package like, hey, if there's anything that you can bands you can rep- you know recommend like let me know and i don't know who it was uh the tape is long gone but those guys sent me like a little care package and they sent me some stickers and some stuff and they sent me a couple of tapes and one of them was a big boys tape and had like the big boys on one side right. on and you know so had the, the big boys tape on <laughs> yeah like mad props to Tim Kerr yeah you know like <laughs> like rest in peace uh, biscuit and uh, and the other tape was uh, it had the Cramps bad music for bad people and on the other side it had the fire of love by the Gun Club with Miami it was like a long tape and um, and so I listened to it and I. Like, a lot of the music that I love, I immediately did not like it. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> like, like when, you, when you hear, like, you know, stuff like 
you know, John Coltrane's, you know, like more avant-garde stuff, you know, you immediately hate it and then you like, you grow to love it and stuff like that. And that was the same thing with the gun club. (laughs) It's like, what is this shit? And, uh, later on when I became friends with more like punk rock eccentric people, they would bring up the gun club. And then like, I got into him right before he died and it was just like, I was like, wow, I found my guy. I found my poet. Now, yeah. when you were when you were growing up in in the port, like, are you mm-hmm. like, how does hardcore get introduced? What at what time in your life does that happen? Is it through your friends? Is it just out of natural curiosity? Or yeah, natural curiosity. It's like, definitely, uh, a, it's definitely a huge. Yeah, change. in yeah. in those days, um, in South Texas, uh, there was no internet. There was no, you know, all we had was the radio. You know, or what 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 we saw on MTV, or yeah. there was a show that syndicated called Night Flight, and that was only available on certain stations. And so, there was a a television station called KHTV Channel Thirty Nine out of Houston, and Houston was kind of like our cultural epicenter of Texas, in which they, you know, a lot of the young people that were hip, they were you know just kind of like purging all the stuff that was kind of coming through from wherever and uh, the gun club I think at that time since Jeffrey Lee had family ties to right. Texas right I think that kind of permeated through that and there was you know enough of that to kind of you know if you were in the know um, that kind of carried over and my mom, that was new wave punk rock. That was the generation. That was yeah. her music, her generation's yeah. music. So I heard some of the songs kind of in the background. In certain, it was so it was familiar, but it wasn't until I was in my early twenties that I really kind of copped to it. And there was nobody like, especially no nobody Mexican American that was in that canon at the yeah. time. You know, much less having that kind of voice. Um, that was even speaking. Well, he has a, he's a really good voice. He does. Like for for when you said hardcore, I was like, I don't hear a hardcore. And you know, yeah. if you look up certain interviews, it's more with like him, rockabilly. Like absolutely. Yeah. No, here's here's the thing. Like, it's rock and roll. But, it's rock yeah. and roll. And there is a documentary about Jeffrey Lee Pierce from his contemporaries. Yeah. Called Ghosts on the Highway. And which I actually saw the premiere of at the Alamo Draft House when it, nice. when the original Alamo Draft House was on Colorado, Colorado Street, fourth in Colorado. Yeah, and uh, I went with a group of friends of mine to go see it, and there was not one lick of a Gun Club song in that documentary, but there was every. It was an oral his like a uh, story. Okay. Um, Kid Congo definitely leading the helm. Uh, Terry Graham, who was the drummer of the Gun Club, you know, like there, there's all these people right. that were um, um, telling the story of of what went down of the history of this band, and um, Jeffrey Lee Pierce was one of those guys that was that could not, would not be denied. You know, he was going to be a cultural force no matter what. Yeah. You know, he was no matter who was behind him, no matter who was with him, he was going to do this thing no matter what. And he was kind of like Jim Morrison, kind of like Ian Curtis of Joy Division. Um, he was 
he saw himself as one of those guys that he knew he was probably going to have a short life, but he was going to go for it no matter what. And when you encounter the art of somebody of that of that caliber, yeah. it, 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 it stays with you. Hmm. And again, my mom, new wave punk rock was the music of her generation. Um, you know, she had lived in LA in the late seventies, early eighties. When she came back to Texas, she had like a bunch of records. She had X's Los Angeles in her record collection. She had the fire of love by the gun club in her record collection. She had like, you know, the punk rock of Southern California in her record bin when she came back, when she came back to South Texas. And so the gun club were those, one of those bands that has always haunted me and in one way or another. And I would say that I'm a better person because of that, because here was a person that was kind of a, a maverick in his own way of being a person that was Mexican American, but could pass for white. Right. And, um, Ward, the guitar player from gun club in the documentary said that, you know, during the time in the early 1980s, when Bob Dylan was still putting out records, I think maybe it was uh, the the record Street Legal at the time. The New York uh, literary canon at the time were, were said like this: Dylan is the old, this guy is the new. Hmm. And so for somebody, so for New York to champions like Jeffrey Lee Pierce is your Bob Dylan. Yeah, wow, that's a big leap. And to recognize that as somebody, like, here's a person that cannot be denied. And for someone to recognize that, I grew up really fast. And, you know, when I was a kid, my uncle took me to see La Bamba back in 1987 in a little theater in Victoria, Texas. And so, like, we have our place in yeah. music. We have our place in rock and roll. Right. We are part of this country. We're not just... You know, we're not just the bottom of the barrel. Right, right? we have a voice, and yeah. so that was, uh, you know, just like people hold Kurt Cobain in such a regard in terms of what he did for like white suburban youth. Yeah. Jeffrey Lee Pierce, within certain circles, did that for us. Yeah, you know, he was he was a, a Chicano Mexican American that could pass for white that. Could well, infiltrate, and as a result, it gave him more access and widespread popularity. But absolutely, by being a Chicano, you, yeah, you were still able to like see that. Oh no, but he is a, but, a, a of buddy us. of mine. Told of me this one story in Houston because he lived in Houston at the time. That like he kind of passed as kind of like a white redneck, almost like it's like he, yeah. he would say the n word in some of his his lyrics or something like that. And so, like, all these people that were like, yeah, you know, like, I'm a redneck, too, or whatever. They'd yeah. come out to the shows expecting one thing, and then he and would they- do the opposite. <laughs> it was like, nah, motherfucker, I'm Mexican. <laughs> Y'all don't even know. <laughs> and, like, flip That's it awesome. on there. He just loved, he oh, relished, awesome. he just relished. The audience, they yeah. wanted, yeah. He, no, so, like, the thing that I was like, yeah, this is my dude. I read this one thing where I think Terry Graham said this, where he would show up in like a white Colonel Sanders kind of outfit 
and he would slam this big old Bible down on the stage and with the big old rusty chain, yeah. like whip the Bible in front of all these like white <laughs> folks. And I was like, that's what that I'm talking about right there. <laughs> you know, in terms of like, he, they wanted to make people think and they wanted people, they wanted to piss people off. <laughs> you know, you come into a gun club show, it's like, yeah, you know, this... Like, this guy's a white cracker just like me. He's like, nah, fool. I'm on <laughs> I'm the, the I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side. I'm oh, on the brown side. Funny. You know, that's so funny. you know, just yeah, it's like comedy in a way. He was like he was doing what Iggy was doing yeah. in the sixties. Yeah. He was doing what all these other people were doing. It's a sensationalism that it doesn't lose touch with the the moment in the community that he's a part of. Yeah, it's, it, it means in, something. And it, in a it way, it was the, it was like cultural theater yeah. in a lot of ways. No, it was great. it was he was turning uh, society on its on its head, going like, "Here, I'm of I'm of both composites. I'm white and I am brown. Yeah. I am this and I am that. I am both." Yeah. And so I'm going to bring both to you. And so you got to recognize me no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, I cannot be denied. And so as I got older and I just like, I was drawn more into this guy's orbit. I go like, dude, this is my, this is my poet of my life. You know, like everybody's got the, po- everybody's got a poet. Yeah, yeah, we all pick certain yeah, we people. We always pick certain people. Some people yeah. think that it's like, you know, Paul Simon. Some people think it's, Jim Morrison, some people think it's Ian Curtis, some people think it's like Kurt Cobain, you know, yeah. but for me it was Jeffrey Lee. That's awesome. And uh and unfortunately and, and when I met Exine and I asked her like what what would Jeffrey Lee be today if he was still alive? It's like, oh, he would have been like he would have been like either like a senator or he would have been like like a Walter Cronkite, right, you know, right. he would have been some sort of war car correspondent or something like that but if, if anything he would be right in the thick of it he would be right on the front lines unafraid unabashed yeah. and like right there like in your face that's awesome. and i was like that's the guy that's that, the legacy that's that's my dude that's who i want to be as you know in terms of that's who i want to be like yeah you know and that's you know and people like we were talking earlier about people like cedric cedric um um, Zavala Bixler from mm-hmm. At the Drive-In and all these people. It's because of people like Jeffrey Lee that we have people like At the Drive-In yeah. and folks like that have soldiered on. There's a lot of people from Southern California that carry the torch of the gun club and you know trying to um, forge forward in terms of like, look, it isn't us against them. It's yeah. us. Right. It's not, you're not, you're not one of them. You're one of us. And we're all in this together. We're all Americans. We're all like a mix of things. You know, there's no purity. There's no such thing as purity, dude. They're just like, we're just people, you know, and whatever your background is, whatever your thing is, you know, it's just like, we're, we're all in this together. And whether it's heartache, whether it's drugs, whether it's like heartache, whatever, you know, we all have something to give. Yeah. And and that's if anything, that's what I got from the Je- from Jeffrey Lee Pierce in the Gun Club is that we all have a voice and like if you have the fire spirit in you, you got to go out there and like deliver it. Man. That's you awesome. Well, I'm glad to be introduced to him through you. Mm. All right, I think I'm gonna start playing on the next song. We're going to. I just want uh, before we get into that. Yeah. I just want I just want to say like. Um, 
So the next guy we're about to play is a really good friend of mine, uh, Davido Loca, a.k.a. Uh, part-time. Uh, his real name is uh, David Speck. Um, he is the Jeffrey Lee Pierce of our generation, the, the generation that's happening right now, the, the generation that's about to come up. Like he's put out a few a few records out, and uh, he's like Billy Gibbons. He is that kind of guitar hero guy from Texas, from you know El Paso. From he comes from he is of us, yeah. and and he is he is a poet of our generation. And I just want to say, like David, I love you. If you're listening to this, I love you so much that you're a really <laughs> great guy. Um, so. When I was, you know, when I was kind of coming up in music, there were always people that out there that were like appreciative and encouraging. It's like, like, hey, if you got a dream and you go for it, you know. And so that led to certain um, experiences for me in terms of getting with people, playing music with people. Um, I'm forever grateful for that. But when I met David, I met David through like mutual friends of mine that were kind of like ex, uh, ex El Pasoans. Um, David came out to Austin. I had some connections in in Austin music scene at the time. I was able to kind of help him kind of get his start. Um, I'm I've no in no way give get any credit for his talent at all, but. Um, my life is forever changed because of David and his his talent and what he brings to the table. And people from New York to California are uh, that have have had the pleasure of seeing part time and have known David to know that he is a very special person and he is he is the second coming in terms of what's what's coming up in terms of music nowadays. Someone that can play multiple instruments that can do that can write perform write you know sing all that shit he is the he is the guy so um julian casablancas of the strokes signed him to his vanity label and so be on the lookout for part-time uh coming up um he is a person that cannot be denied and uh like i, I love david so much I also want to dedicate this next song, uh, the final song we're about to play, for uh, to some friends of mine out in California: James Weber, Courtney Chevenel Weber, um, Margaret Josephine Weber. Um, there's this little girl. I just want to say, there's this little girl that's in Los Angeles, California, right now. She's in the hospital. She's. Uh, I want to dedicate this song to her. She's suffered from bacterial meningitis she's had to fight for her life this little baby girl to try to just exist and the song is called take your time don't blow your mind and so just to let you folks know that um there sometimes things happen right there are things that happen and there are the bad times that occur you know, but don't give up hope. There's the there's very formidable power in prayer, and I just want to dedicate this next song to Margaret. And you know, she's just a sweet little baby girl, and uh, this song is for her. Uh, much props to her mother and her father, and um, 
and this is a song that David wrote on his uh, on his album Return to Cherry. Um, much love to all the Webbers out there in California. Um, I get I'm getting a little choked up, but I just want to say that there, David is a, a formidable artist, and whatever you take from the song, just so to know that this song means a lot to me in terms of this family. And, um, you know, there's music is for everybody, you know, music, you take, you take whatever it is that you can get and the inspiration draws from all things. And, uh, what I really want to say is that, you know, love is all, you know, there's, there's so much crazy shit happening in the world right now, but if we can connect or come and have some sort of common ground with anybody whether it be music whether it be art whether it be like like hard times experiences whatever you know we're all just like one people and we're just you know here to try to connect and to share time in each other's lives and you know make that an, an everlasting impression on each other because there's going to be a time when we're not here anymore and we got to let each other know that we care and that we love each other while we still have this time. And um, this song goes out to, to them and uh, to this little girl. And uh, to David, if you're out there listening, I love you. You're a good, you're a good solid homie. And uh, if you want to go ahead and take it away. Let's do it. All right, well, I'm looking forward to it. Here we go. This is Take Your Time, Don't Blow Your Mind by part-time.
tonight that was Take Your Time and Don't Blow Your Mind by Part Time. That's, that was a great song. Yeah. Really uh, he's, like he's, he's the truth, man. He's like, so that record, Return to Cherry, was kind of a, a favor to uh, this record store in El Paso called Mother of Pearl. Um, it's still going strong to this day. Um, David, being a native of El Paso, uh, gave a creative license to this record store that wanted to do like a limited run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very rare record. I think they only did like maybe like a little over a thousand oh, wow. yeah. uh, uh, releases uh, of this. So if you do have a copy of Return to Cherry, uh, cherish that shit because yeah, there's hard. not them. They ain't gonna be a reissue or anything like that. Yeah. So it, it's it's really cool. Um, I was uh, I guess it was like two years ago uh, during South by Southwest at, here in Austin. There's there's a club called Stay Gold, and they were doing kind of a a record release there, um, and it was sort of, sort of this. El Pasonian um, ambassador kind of ship going down. And uh, there was a lot of El Paso people that David was their dude. You know, there had never, uh, not since at the drive-in, was there a guy that had emerged from there that, you know, was doing, that had the courage and the drive to do their thing. And they're like, you know, there were these kids that were like teenagers that were coming up. You know, they had X's on their hands and they were like, wow, you know, you're, you know, thank you for, for doing, you know, they were so appreciative to him. And, um, you know, of course he's, you know, David's, you know, humble and, and all, all that. And, um, you know, to see him going so strong and continuing to this day is, is, uh, quite, quite something to see. Um, He works mainly out in California, and if there's anybody out there that wants to, uh, any big bands out there that wants like a really, really great band opening up for them or going on tour with them or whatnot, I highly recommend them checking out part-time and uh, getting them on their, their tour itinerary or whatever, but you know, if... It's good enough for Julian Casablancas. It's good enough for you. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, he's a big fan of him. And uh, he plugs him whenever he can on uh, a radio show out in New York City. So, yeah. you know. I saw he's done uh, some releases with Mexican Summer. Yeah, he's got two records out on Mexican Summer. That's yeah. who initially signed them. So I, I'll, not, to, not to take anything from David, but like when he first came to Austin... Uh, my buddy Andy turned me on to him, and he showed he played me a couple of tracks from him, and I was blown away by his talent. And, and I said, like, "Oh, wow, it's amazing!" And at the time, I still had connections in terms of uh, people that were putting on shows, and so I got him uh, to open up for the Black Angels and a couple of other folks. And um, he comes from the the scene of not. Um, competitive really but where like like bands from the 60s like if you're on a bill with somebody it is kind of a contact sport where like 
I got to kick your ass kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you may come with your shit, but I'm bringing my shit. So there's, you know, yeah, the opening band can blow you away <laughs> if you let him. And, uh, and he definitely brought it. You know, he definitely brought the, the thunder. And, um, and people, everyone from like a band called The Drums are, or uh, Ariel Pink mm-hmm. or uh, Gary Wilson, like these kind of like outsider freak rock kind of uh, yeah. people, they, they recognize him as being a formidable talent. And uh, I can't say enough of good things about him. He's not only is he a genuinely sweet guy and wonderful, wonderful composer, musician, whatever, but he's also a really, really good friend. And um, I'm not, I don't get anything out of uh, plugging him at all, but I just want to make people aware of David and part time and his music because it's really, really good music. Has he played in other projects or is part time his big? Part time, I, I believe, is his main thing. Yeah. It's it's his uh, it's his musical identity. Yeah. And uh, uh, when I was helping them, he had a band called Toko Rai Get High, and he also had another band at the time called the Dazzling King Solomon Band. And um, Dazzling King Solomon Band featured um, John Yocklin on drums who was in this band called the nervous exits with his brother, Nick. They were like a, a really heavy duty Austin, Texas band. Kiki Solis, who now plays with kid Congo powers from the dunk from the gun club. Um, Kiki was also in another Austin band called knife in the water. Another really uh, heavy duty Austin band. Yeah. They were kind of like a super group at the time, um, kind of un- underground and, um, they were really, really hot, and I kind of helped them out a little bit at, uh, at that. But when he formed the kind of the when he formed part time, that's when things started happening for him, and things kind of took off. And uh, I just got to say, like, I'm really, really proud of him for all that he's done, and I hope he doesn't stop. Um, some people are really, really good. Uh, bakers chefs um you know technicians or whatever david's really really good at making music it's what he was put on this earth for and in terms of moving forward in terms of music he is that guy he is the the guy that can do it all play drums sing write be a lyric you know an amazing he's up there with billy gibbons from zz top you know, he's that good of a guitar player. So he can do it all. And he's just got this crew of dudes that are that are behind him, that are willing yeah. to, you know, follow him with whatever. And uh, he's able to deliver the goods. Like, I've seen him multiple times. And the last time I saw him perform live was, I think, almost maybe two years ago <laughs> at Cheer Up Charlie's. And there were so many younger kids that were like under 21. They had X's on their hands that loved part time. And they were there to see him and go like, oh, this is a, this is a guy. Awesome. And like <laughs> they were kind of championing him, championing him. Yeah. And uh, it, just, it just made me, it just kind of tickled my heart a little the bit. The kids get like, it. You know, yeah. and the, the scene that I came up from, you know, again, from Texas Hardcore, um, we're all in this together. 
you know, the people that have the gift of appreciating music to that can play in the instrument that can express themselves in that way. Um, if you have, if you know somebody that has a talent or whatever, you don't stifle that talent. You try to encourage them and try to go like, yeah, man, go for it, do it. And, you know, we're all, we're not here to take credit for anything. If anything, we're trying to perpetuate and move things forward because anything that has anything or anyone that has something to say, they should say it, you know, because, you know, what's art for other than expression? So um, that definitely was the case from when I was coming up from as a in my early teens to my teenage years. I certainly had been in bands with my friends that we were able to share our time and our experiences together and create something. Even if it only reached a, a handful of people, yeah, that was our the time. process of creating it. Is yeah. What, is what it's it's not about money, dude. Right. Money, if you or become attention. successful or anything like that, that's great, you know, but it's not the end all be all. You know, what, what matters is that, that we're alive and that we're here and that while we're here, we have, we have a voice and we get to express that. Yeah. And that's well said. everything from Esteban, Steve Jordan, you know, he's, he's passed on, but he has ha- laid a legacy that people still resonate with this for, to this day. Jeffrey Lee Pierce, the same thing. David Aloka, David Speck, part-time, same thing. You know, anybody out there, uh, that has something to say, if you can pick up an instrument or you know have a lyric or something you want to express, do that shit because yeah. there's going to be a time where you and I are not here anymore and we only have so much time to give and uh, the more time that you can express and the more time you can make yourself heard or you know get your message out, the better because yeah. it's all about love, you know? You got to leave your mark and hopes that it inspires others to leave yeah, theirs man, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's well put. Yeah. Well, this was fun, man. I really, this has been great. I this really enjoyed awesome. all the selections. I really enjoy your passion towards all these artists. I think that, you know, it, it comes through the way that you speak about them means a lot um, through your life and your kind of growth as to who you are. And um, it's inspiring whenever people feel that way and can express it. Um, people yeah. have been really, really kind to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I come from South Texas. I come from, you know, like hardcore working class people. Um, anytime you have an, uh, an opportunity to express yourself and to to make yourself known is is a privilege. It's yeah. a truly a privilege. This being able to be here with you today and to, to meet with you and to ha- hang and chat and express this music and to share this music with you is, is a truly an honor and a privilege. And well, I thank you thank again you. Very so much for having, for it's having great me. to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. I think this will be the beginning of, of a long musical friendship. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Anytime you want to hang out, dude, I'm here. For sure, dude. Well, this has been a great episode. Until next time, Memory Tracks. Thanks. Thank you.